our lesson this morning is where will it end? I think there's a lot of people asking themselves that. But have you ever thought about the reason for your existence? What is the purpose of your life? And where is it leading? What will it all amount to 10 seconds after you die? Where will your eternal soul be while some clergyman passes out pleasant comments over your body? Or my friend, question is, where will you spend eternity? Unceasingly, time runs its hurried course. The hands of the clock sweep over our faces, leaving it there wake, wrinkles, loose, folds, and gray hair. Undeterred by wigs and heavy makeup, up age greets, creeps upon us in the morning mirror. Moments, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years, and decays fly by. But as James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and vanished away. God said in the book of James chapter 4, and verse 14, once you just read this one verse, we uh, have children, we see them grow up right before our eyes. But here in James, the fourth chapter and the 14th verse, James said, we're as ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanishes away. We haven't seen somebody for a while and they'll tell us their age and we can't believe it. But generation after generation live and die like animals, obvious to the higher goal of their lives. You know, our, the motto of this world is to eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. That's their motto. We get that response from even a lot of Christians now are professing Christians. We only live once. We don't want to waste our life doing things we don't like. We don't want to waste our life not being prosperous. But one day, that will all end. Then what? Few today have ever read the Bible 
let alone take it seriously. It is considered outmoded, old, outdated. But yet, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The question is, where will you spend eternity? Where will you spend eternity? Well, you must quickly set about seeking God's salvation. That's the first first thing that we are to take care of before we take care of anything is where will I be when I die? And people say, oh, you know, life is short. Let's don't worry about death. You need to enjoy the day. It may be the last day you have. But we don't want to think about that. And the devil keeps us busy, you know. Uh, we don't, uh, you know, I know... Uh, <clears throat> gentleman that comes to my mind he's got cancer doctor only gave him a year or so to live he still drinks he still smokes he still does all the worldly things he ever did before and as I talked to him I said you know a year's time if the doctor's right a year's time passed by pretty fast you know if uh, we see that. We see it in our kids. We can see, you know, I say my three kids, I remember when I held them as I see God hold Josie and other babies. But they won't be that little baby long. God's word says that we must realize that you are a sinner. Ever since Adam fell and plunged into the human race into sin, you know, that's what he tells us in Romans 3.23. You know, all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. You know, we uh, have even taken our profession of faith lightly. Oh, I'm saved. I was saved. I remember the date. I remember the time. What effect did it have on you? You know, Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 tells us, All of sin comes short of the glory of God. But what are we doing with it? We go back and we look at verse 10 of Romans 3. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The best person you know, and we've heard it say at funerals, we heard it say at hospitals, if anyone is saved, my grandmother was. If anyone is saved, and we name this person, because we look at their life and it has been a spotless life. But being good morally won't save you. 
doesn't save you, won't keep you saved. You've got to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. He tells us also in Romans chapter 3 and verse 12, they are all drawn out of the way. They are all together became unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now, Paul is speaking of that. There is, you can't do enough good to be saved. It won't save you. It will not save you. I don't care how good you are. So let's stop pretending, face up to the truth, lust, lies, theft, greed, grudges, impatience, intolerance, envy, pride, conceit, anger, hatred, and we can go on and on and on. Those are the fruit of the flesh. And there's nothing, you know. I've had people ask me a number of times, what do you want most for your children? Now they ask me, what do you want most for your grandchildren? For them to know Jesus Christ as their own and personal Savior. Nothing else really matters. You know, no matter what position you hold, it makes no difference what job you have, it makes no difference where you live, that is all going to pass. And everybody... You know, mostly if you talk about them, you follow Facebook, you know, preachers are saying, wake up, the Lord's coming. But not today, right? But not today. But God's word tells us, with whom we have to do, you know, Let's look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 just to show you what I'm talking about. 1 John. As we look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. But what we do not understand and what we do not hear from the pulpits across this nation, sin is sin in thought as well as sin in action. Because before you commit that sin, you've thought about it. So it's important that we begin to discipline our thought life. And to do that, we got to discipline what our eyes see, what we read, what we listen to. God says it very clear in 1 John 3, 4. Whosoever committeth sin, transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law, and he know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So we got to get from where we are in Christ. And we do that spiritually, by repenting of our sins and acknowledging Jesus Christ as our 
own Lord and personal Savior. Also, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13, God says, notice. Let's just go on up to verse 12, and let's read verse 12 also. For the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and mar, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, if you understand verse 12, no one can be saved apart from the word of God. They must hear the word of God. The spirit bears witness with the word of God. I mean, Hebrews 3.12 is a powerful verse. But as I said, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifested in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, God not only sees what I physically do, he knows what I'm thinking. He knows how I handle things inwardly. Just this past week, me and an individual had a, could have been a hotted conversation. He was very upset. And he said, don't you have anything to say? Not until you cool off. You can't talk to somebody that is outraged with their temper going, saying things that they may not mean. And he said, I don't want to talk to you. And he walked off. See, in a rage of temper, we may say things that take us a lifetime to get over. So we don't do those things. Secondly, you must realize that there is a payday coming for sin. Because God said, for the wages of sin is death. But after this, the judgment. See? The wages of sin is death, but the soul that sinneth, it shall die. But as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that, the judgment. I'm sure that most people who commit suicide think they want to end everything. But it doesn't end. Death does not end it. There's just a beginning. It's a beginning of eternal bliss or it's a beginning immediately when the last breath leaves your body, you enter hell. You don't stay in that grave and, you know, and 
when we think about somebody. We need to understand what God is saying. Neither is there any creature that is not manifested in his sight. Save or lost. You either save or lost. There's no in between. And God sees everything you do, everything you think, and what people don't want to understand. He Never forgets. You know, I got to the point in my life, if it's really, really important, I want to write it down. Because I tend to forget portions of it. And if that hasn't happened to you, it will, if you live long enough. But, as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. And we face judgment in our life, you know. Each time that you speed and you get pulled over, that's judgment. Each time you not quite honest on your taxes and IRS gets you in five, six years later, that's judgment. We not only face judgment in this life, but we face judgment in the life to come. God has set the date of your departure from this world. Ready or not, you have an appointment with death which you will keep. My little puppy is a prime example of that. You know, they gave her such a short time to live 18 months ago. She's still trucking. Not as strong as she was, not as vibrant as she was. But see, and I know everybody doesn't agree with that, and I respect your ability to disagree but uh, I'm going to die right on time. Whether a heart attack takes me out, a wreck, a wreck takes me out, or I'm laying in bed and don't wake up in bed, but wake up in glory. And I also think that my pup has got a designated time as well. You know, when people laugh, you know, you're crazy in June, but well, let's just leave me there. I'm happy there. I'm happy believing that God is in control of every facet of my life because those things that I control, I've got a way of messing them up. But when I follow the Lord, all things work well. And in time, as I see how God has overruled my desire, I'm so thankful he did. So God has set the date of departure from this world, ready or not, you have an appointment with death, which you will keep. Don't deceive yourselves into thinking there's a second chance that you will return to earth and perhaps as a frog or a dog or something else. There's no incarnation. You live this life appointed 
days and minutes and seconds that God has given you, and you'll not live a second longer. But what are we going to do with it? What have we done with it? You know, I'll be soon be 77 years old. I'm going to have to give an account for every second of those years. But people don't believe that. But they also don't believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is the only way you can be saved. So they follow the human that says, oh, join a church, be baptized, do this, do that. Instead of God saving me right on time, he'll take me out right on time. And in the meantime, he has a plan for my life. And if I follow that plan, I'm blessed. If I'm not, I may be rich. I may be happy. I may be the best person in the world everybody wants to be around. But when I die, if I know not Christ, I will lift my eyes up in hell. So, as God said, it is appointed. It's appointed unto man once to die. Not many times, neither console yourself with the luxury, the lives that exist somewhere in purgatory, because purgatory does not exist. Remember, the next stop after death on God's calendar is judgment. Once to die, but after this, the judgment. Isn't that what Hebrews says? It's appointed on under man once to die. It's appointed. And when my appointed time, and I don't know when that is, I will die. But after that, I will be judged for every that I've done or didn't do. You know, and we certainly need to throw that last part in. Well, Pastor, the reason I don't volunteer for, you know, I don't want God to judge me for doing something wrong. I, I don't know anybody that follows the Word of God does it wrong. Those who tell you you must be baptized is not following the word. Those who tell you that you can't do this and do that, you know, I had a person tell me a few weeks ago, you know, I want you to talk to my wife. I said, what's wrong with your wife? Well, she wears shorts, and you know what God's word says, you can't wear shorts and go to heaven. I said, Give me a pencil and paper. I want that verse. There ain't no such verse. God tells us, you know, as he does in his word, that we men and women, boys and girls, should be modest. See, but people get all of this stuff in their mind trying to justify what they do. You know, well, I don't know what to do, so I don't want to do anything because I don't want to do it wrong. I'm sure before I lay down tonight, go to sleep, I've done many things wrong. 
but the blood of Jesus Christ covers every one of them. And those that I know about, I've got a responsibility to ask him to forgive me. You know, we look at Romans 6, 23, and I sat here and named just scripture after scripture, and we won't do that. But in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, God says what? He says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of, of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, the wages of sin, and in my Bible, I've got it 23 marked in yellow, and under sin, I've got a little red line. And the reason it is, said the wages of sin is death. So sin, whatever it is, is going to kill me. So don't you think it'd be nice to, to know what sin is? Because I know a religious group that thinks if you don't do this, you're going to die, and if you do this, you're going to die. So says, what is sin? Because the wages of sin is death. You know, sin is breaking God's law. It's doing whatever God says not to do. But see, we take our freedom so serious, and yet we're losing our freedom every year because of who is in of the political world because of men behind the pulpit because moms and dads who won't step up and tell their children this is right and this is wrong but the wages of sin is death anything that God tells us not to do if we do it is sin the gifts of God is eternal life what is that gift? Only one gift, only one thing that God gives to us that will save us, and that's his son, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9, 27, we know what that is. Appointed that a man wants to die. That's not so bad. I mean, if you're suffered, if you're in pain, you know, I know people who who have pain, who never see a day that they don't have pain. One of them is my wife. Every day, 24 hours a day, if she's awake, she has pain. So, God tells us, it's appointed unto a man wants to die. Not only her, but there's probably thousands and thousands of people who have such pain all the time. And death would be wonderful. And that's why some of them takes their life. And, but you read the rest of that verse. It's appointed on the man who wants to die, and then what? The judgment. You're going to stand before God, and your life is going to flush before you, and you're going to see everything you've done, and you'll understand then. Because you won't have that old fleshly, sinful body that we pamper and build up and, you know, 
we need to understand, as I told a person, uh, you may die healthy or you may die sick, but you will die. Thirdly, you must realize that you cannot save yourself. Drowning men need outside help. Man cannot save his own soul. Salvation is all of God. There's nothing, absolute nothing, that you can do to save yourself. You say, well, all I've got to do is hear the gospel and believe it. But if, if God doesn't bear witness with your uh, soul, with your body, you won't understand what the gospel is. Lost people tell me all the time, I read the Bible, Brother Tony, but I don't understand it. I understand that. You can understand facts. You can have a literal head knowledge of the Bible. There are lost people who probably know more Bible than I do. But then you study. Lost people ought to read their Bible. Lost people ought to study their Bible knowing they cannot fully understand it but if God saves them, look how far ahead they are. It's sort of like taking summer school. You get ahead. You get ahead. But we need to understand that Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, By grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, least any man should boast. Now what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, that we're saved by grace. And no matter what we do, and we should do, you know, I believe that lost people are to be honest. I, I believe honest people are to do good because those sins you won't suffer in hell for. But see, we've got this thought in our minds that everybody's going to hell will be in the same degree of fire, and that's not the fact. There is no truth to that statement at all. So even if you're lost, you and there are some good moral lost people, amen? There are some lost people. I said this 20 years ago. If I was sick and couldn't take my wife to the hospital... There are some professing saved people I wouldn't trust to take my wife to the hospital. And there are some lost men that could take my wife and I'd feel comfortable that they were going to treat her like the lady she is. See, so morality, there's a lot of good moral lost people. There's lost people that don't curse, don't drink, don't lie, don't use drugs. But when they die, they're going to hell. And isn't that a shame? And we don't want to witness to them. We don't want to talk to them. You know, we need to understand our condition and, and, you know, and, and, and why we preach like this to the church is because uh, it's our responsibility when God opens the door, that we take the gospel to good moral people, family, friends, but you know, but nobody wants to mess up a holiday cookout by preaching the gospel, do we? Of course not. We'll put our little flags and 
We'll put out, you know, decorate the cake with a flag. That's good. But none of that will save a person. The Lord is, is coming. I'm getting ready however long I live, and I probably won't get it finished, but I'm starting the book of Revelation over. And I doubt very seriously that I'll finish that book before God says, come up yonder. That's how close I believe the second coming of my Lord is. Fourthly, you and you alone must trust Christ to wipe out your sin. Out of love for your hell-bound soul. God left heaven's glory, came down to this sin-cursed earth where he suffered a cruel death in your place. So what do we need to do as we close here? We need to settle it once and for all. There's a lot of things, church, that I am sorry that I did. A lot of things that I handled as your pastor that I would handle differently if I had to do over. But I'm not sorry for what happened 50-some years ago on US 25 when God saved my soul. Only Christ opened heaven's gate for me. Don't be misled by the multitude of false prophets and quack religion. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come unto the Father but by me. He didn't say, I am one of the ways, I am one of the truths. He said, I am, I am, I am. We need to understand that's exactly what it is. And when he says here in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man come unto the Father but by me. I don't know how much Greek you know, but the, this little the is a definite article. A definite article simply means that he is the only way. He is the only truth. When he says, I am the way, he's the only way. I am the truth, the only truth. I am the life, and no man coming to the Father but by me. Only God gives it. Nobody else. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Notice what God says. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. God said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I said, Well, why don't they call? Well, let's, let's don't stop there. Let's read verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or a messenger? 
No one is saved apart from the preaching of the gospel. No one. So the purpose of this brief plan of life is simple. It is properly prepared for us for the next one. After leading meaningless life, constant columns of humanity arrives at the end of the tunnel only to step out into a Christless eternity. You know, I don't know who's saved and who isn't saved, but I can tell you without any uh, reservation at all, if the Pope believes what he teaches, he's hell-bound. If you don't believe the word of God on how it is to be saved, if you die right now, you'd be in hell. Gospel, the gospel is the only thing that can save you. And if you want to be saved, God, by the Holy Spirit, will make it effective. But you got to come to the end of yourself and quit this old foolishness of saying, you know, I've got plenty of time. Have you? Have you listened to the news this week? How many people have been shot? You think a little town like Scythiana or Carlisle or Georgetown or Lexington, that can't happen? What if you're out shopping? What if you're out at a restaurant celebrating your birthday and some lunatic comes in and just starts blowing away? You can't say that won't happen. But you can say, if I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ, I'll go to heaven that very day. So if you've taken the gospel message to heart and obey it, be certain to let somebody know. know, A little girl that I witnessed to at camp, she writes me a letter once in a while. She's, She's in her late 30s, and she texts me first of the week and wanted me to know that her little daughter accepted Christ as her personal Savior. Because at, at camp is more than having fun. Camp is where somebody preaches the gospel. And you preach it just like you would in church or like you would to a loved one. That's the only medicine that will save. Father, we thank you for this day.